This week on Millennial. We could always film a PSA video saying, you know, we've all been vaccinated and trying to see, I've got like metal tweezers here, trying to like affix these things to ourselves and being like, look, I'm not magnetic. I feel like TikTok (laughs) is so full of those videos and people are like, well, you're clearly lying. You know, (laughs) you're lying. (laughs) Clearly you're magnetic. What do you think changed in the past year, though? Is it just the masks? I mean, have we all just forgotten how to behave in public? Maybe that too. It's really sad. I had no idea that it was information that had come out of a screener. I cracked up at you, Pam, just dropping it casually in the slack. I I thought everybody had seen it at that point. I am also just as bad. Welcome to Millennial 741. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. So kicking us off this week, I have some news. For everybody. Can we just say up front, the note in the doc is update from Laura and a PSA. So Pam and I have no idea what's coming. <laughs> this could be anything. No, no, no. It's it's all good. I wanted to update y'all and also update our listeners that I have received my booster shot of Moderna oh, as of this past that's Sunday. Uh, and I wanted to include a little PSA for anybody who is wondering about their eligibility. Um, so if you are in the U.S., the FDA has authorized additional doses of the Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccines for higher risk groups. The FDA also approved a mix and match approach, meaning you can opt to receive a different vaccine for your third dose than you chose for your initial two doses. So for example, if you got Moderna for the first two, you can get Pfizer for your third, vice versa. Um, And if you got Johnson & Johnson, the one dose shot, um, you can choose either uh, Moderna, Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson. Although to be honest with you, the data suggests if you're going to go get a second shot after getting Johnson & Johnson, you should opt for either Pfizer or Moderna um, for higher efficacy. Um, So just to give a few details here, it may be time for you to get a booster if it's been at least six months since you received the second dose of Pfizer and Moderna or your single dose of Johnson & Johnson, you're 65 years of age or older, um, or you're 18 years of age or older and living in an assisted care facility, 18 plus and have underlying medical conditions like asthma, diabetes, depression, or being overweight, or if you're 18 and older and working or living in high risk settings. Um, And honestly, when you really start digging into the qualifying criteria on the CDC's website, this is a whole lot of people who qualify in the U.S. for boosters. So we are going to provide these CDC links in the show notes so you can see their recommendations. And if you're not sure, we also recommend seeking your doctor's guidance. Is there a BuzzFeed quiz to just tell me? (laughs) Which one you should take? Yeah. You know, I stuck with Team Dolly. I'm really happy with the Moderna vaccine. Team Dolly, yeah. Efficacy. Well, big question. Did you have any side effects? I did. I did. Okay. Being totally transparent, I feel like I had the most side effects from the third vaccine than I did from the prior two, which is interesting because the Moderna booster, um, unless you are immunocompromised, is uh, half a dose. So the original two were full doses. This one is half a dose unless you, um, you know, received an organ transplant or you're taking immunosuppressant drugs, things like that. Um, But the rest of us, it's going to be a half dose. And this was the first time that I experienced nausea as a side effect. Oh. Um, So it wasn't fun. I'm not going to lie to anybody. Um, I definitely had a solid day and a half where I just was sleeping mostly. Um, My mother was like, where are you? Are you alive? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Mark got me (laughs) Alka-Seltzer. We're going to make it. Um, But it's passed at this point. So like any vaccine, you may experience side effects. Side effects from vaccines are not fun. But at the end of the day, it's way better than getting COVID, way better than ending up in an ICU on a ventilator. Yeah. So we definitely encourage folks to get boosted if you are eligible. And if you don't live in the U.S., 
This will obviously look different. Vaccine availability in other countries is very different than it is here. We recognize that. So we recommend checking your national health or national public health website to see what may be available to you and also speak to your doctor. Yeah, I don't think I'm eligible yet, but I do think that I will be getting a booster. I would like to see more data on the efficacy rates after the third shot. Like if I did a triple whammy of Moderna, because that was my first two. Um, but it's just nice knowing that the efficacy rate will will climb higher with the booster. And that's a peace of mind thing for me. So Yeah, and that data is out there. Um, you can definitely go and check it out. I will say that um, the data does show that the two-dose Moderna regimen um, does have a higher efficacy rate for longer, um, and the booster shot is shown to increase that. However, there are plenty of people who still have extremely high um, antibody counts as a result Mm -hmm. of the first two vaccines. So if you've already gotten your first two, you're probably still in good shape if you don't have any under any uh, underlying medical conditions, you can probably stand to wait for a while. But best bet, talk to your doctor. They'll be able to tell you um, when's the right time for you to get vaccinated again. I currently don't have a doctor, so I'll just have to like tweet a doctor and see what oh they tell me. But Andrew, that's so millennial of you. I don't <laughs> have a doctor. <laughs> I just go to urgent care. I mean, I am lucky that I haven't needed a doctor in recent years. But yeah, you know. Just go to urgent care if I need anything. Pam, as a Johnson and Johnson recipient, what do you make of all this? Are you planning on getting another one or I will, but I just I have to hold off a tiny little bit because I have some traveling that's already in the books for this coming month. And I tend to be prone to side effects for vaccines. That's not just like with um, you know, the COVID vaccines, but even like every time I get a flu shot, I have side effects. And so I feel like just because we're traveling for the first two weeks and then the third week is Thanksgiving and we have family coming in. Uh, I'll probably be getting my booster sometime towards the very end of next month or like the beginning of December. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. winter. That sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, Ryan, my brother was also a Johnson and Johnson recipient and I sent him a link about how important it is for a J and J recipient like him to get a booster and, uh, no reply. So I'm sure it's going to take my parents pushing him into it. He had no clue that the Johnson and Johnson one had a lower efficacy rate. I'm like, dude, you used to like read the New York Times on the steps of like the Washington Monument. What what happened to you? I thought you were well read. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. And I mean, let's just clarify here. There's nothing wrong with having received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. No, no. There are plenty of people who opted for it because they only wanted to deal with a single jab. Um, but the data is out there, there now, though. And we know that your original J&J shot is going to be a lot stronger if you get a booster. Um, so totally understand that you want to try and schedule that around you know, any upcoming travel you may have, but it's also just good to have it on the mind. Yeah. Also, just want to say hello to any new listeners who may have found us through CastBox. This is a podcast app that a lot of people use that we're actually advertising in. So I just wanted to give a shout out to them and make sure you are following the show for free in CastBox so you never miss an episode. And welcome, of course, and hope you enjoy what we have to offer. Also, a little more housekeeping. I'm sorry to say that our beloved social media manager, Joel, is leaving us in the coming weeks. We love Joel. It's been a pleasure working with her, but she got a promotion at work. She just doesn't have time for this podcast or MuggleCast anymore. So we're looking for a new social media manager, which, you know, we're going to miss Joel, but we're also excited to work with somebody new. We are looking for somebody with a background in managing social media accounts who can work with us to make numerous posts per week. Um, Types of posts include audio and video cards, lists, threads, memes, and more. The posts that kind of respond or um, aid what we've been talking about on each episode. So we encourage you, if you're interested, we encourage you to look at our social media feeds to see the types of things that we're looking for. But we're also open to adjustments or new ideas or throwing ideas out. If, you know, we'll talk about all of it. We're very open to everything during this transition. And we are looking for somebody who will be able to rep both podcasts. 
because it's just going to be a lot easier to work with one person for social media instead of two. We we work on both podcasts every week, so it'd be great to just have one person. You may notice we're not posting this anywhere. We're only sharing it on the podcast, and that's purposeful. I want somebody who's actively listening to the podcasts to uh, work with us on this. This will be a paid role. I'm expecting four to six hours per week, something like that. If you're interested, please email millennialshow at gmail.com. Show us your work. Give us your resume. Tell us why you're interested. And we're excited to hear from you all. Yeah. And just to, you know, send Jewel off with some kind words here. We're really proud of all the work that she did here at Millennial and also at MuggleCast. You know, she is really the reason that our social media game got on point before Jewel. It was like these sporadic tweets every now and then, um, inconsistent social updates. And through her, we were able to learn about how we can optimize that kind of content to drive more engagement with our listeners. Um, I've learned a whole lot. She's been an incredible resource for us, and she's going to be sorely missed here. But we're really, really excited for her next step. Um, Yeah. And we we hope to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. So again, millennialshow at gmail.com. If you're interested, we are looking for somebody with experience who can handle both podcasts and uh, who wants to work with us on Slack throughout the week. I think it's a fun job. I mean, you know, there's some grind to it, but yeah, it should be fun largely. We're only kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have Jewel on after she leaves and she can like a week I'm off. Oh. She can just complain about me on the podcast. Jewel can do a tell all. <laughs> Millennials we suck. Can, yeah, we can mix uh, martinis together and uh, do a tell-all, like my experience in the yeah. millennial social media newsroom. <laughs> right, yeah, the truth. The and truth. Um, Sarah said, makes sense. Jewel got a promotion. She's great. Absolutely. We are obviously so happy for her that she got this promotion and completely understand that she won't have time for the podcast anymore. So that's that. All right. Well, jumping into our first story today, um, given the fact that I just received my booster and that many, many folks around the globe, um, especially here in the States, are beginning to receive their boosters, I thought we could check in and see how the vaccine mandates are going. And they're going very well for the most part. But NPR is reporting that thousands of workers across the United States would rather lose their jobs than be vaccinated. Um, So to get a little bit of background on this, Washington State reported that so far, nearly 1,900 state workers, including the head football coach at Washington State University, have quit or been fired for refusing the vaccine. In Michigan, 400 workers at the Henry Ford Health System in Detroit walked away from their jobs. And North Carolina-based Novant Health fired about 175 employees. And that list goes on. I'm sure y'all have heard the stories of nurses in particular at certain uh, health centers and hospitals walking out on their jobs or being let go from their jobs because they will not get vaccinated. The numbers out of the health systems are particularly scary to me. Yeah. I thought these people should be most in touch with reality. Yeah. I like to imagine it this way. Like when I when I when I know somebody who is, you know, anti-COVID vaccine, like so if some let's say something happened to you, you don't get COVID. Let's just say that you get into a minor car accident or um I don't know, you just end up in a hospital. Aren't you going to be uncomfortable if you know that the nurse assisting you is unvaccinated in a hospital where you're more likely to catch COVID. Right. And aren't they more nervous? And don't they see all the people who are on death's door in their own hospitals because they weren't vaccinated? It's all very strange. Well, anybody can um, delude themselves into believing that a pandemic that we've been in for the last two years is a mass conspiracy, even if the evidence is right in front of their eyes. Um, So I'm wondering, you know, as I said, the vaccine mandates are clearly driving results. They're going very well. A number of large companies have announced vaccine um, or weekly testing requirements. I've actually seen some places that are announcing (laughs) vaccine requirements across the board. No testing option. Get fucking vaccinated. Um, But I'm wondering, what would we say to someone who is still skeptical of getting the vaccine 
even in the face of possibly losing their job? This is really hard because I think that usually my stance on this is that if you're not doing it for yourself, you should do it for other people. But I just kind of feel like that's what everybody's been saying, you know, especially when you look at the number of teachers that are still trying to work without being vaccinated. And uh, especially when you're uh, going to work at like grade schools where kids can't get vaccinated, it just seems really selfish to continue putting your own ideology ahead of um, other people's lives, uh, especially when you work in the service industry in this capacity. You know, if you're working with the public, then yeah, you just you have to have more empathy for other people. You can't be selfish. I like the point you brought up that what new can be said at this point, because there's already been so many pleas made to people who don't want to get vaccinated. I guess one thing that you could say that is kind of new is the proof that continues to roll in that overwhelmingly the people who are hospitalized with COVID or dying of COVID are the ones who were unvaccinated. So you can just present the latest numbers and say, do you want to be one of these people? Do you really want to risk that? And then I guess I would also try to re-educate people on what the vaccine actually does when it enters your system. I think some people think you get shot up with the vaccine and then it's like this little snake that exists in you for for the rest of time. It's there for only a little while. I think there just needs to be a re-education campaign. But then, of course, we're also facing these misinformation headwinds that are unrelenting. We could always film a PSA video um, saying, you know, we've all been vaccinated and trying to see I've got like metal tweezers here trying to like affix these things to ourselves and being like, look, I'm not magnetic. I feel like TikTok is so full of those videos and people are like, well, you're clearly lying. You know? <laughs> you're lying. Clearly, you're magnetic. Uh, I'm waiting for a TikTok in which somebody's like out walking amongst liberals and like walking around with a magnet trying to latch on to one of them. <laughs> Why isn't this working? Uh, I think, what, you know, what's especially f- frustrating, too, is a lot of these people that are hesitant still to get vaccinated are also the same people that are complaining about um, any regions that still require masks to be used. And so then it's like, well, if you want the masks to go away, then just get vaccinated if you can. That's the only way that it's going to work. Right. Yeah. I, I think the thing that I always bring up, not to say that I've had terribly many interactions like this, but there's there's certainly happened. Um, I like to ask people if they attended public schools as a child um, or if they went to university um, or have traveled to another country because to do all of these things, there are a number number of vaccines that are required. As a matter of fact, Massachusetts was the first state in the United States to begin requiring vaccinations for, for public school attendance as far back as 1850. So wow. we've been doing this a long time. And if you were ever in the public school system, guess what? You got vaccinated for a number of things to make your schooling experience safer and healthier for you and your cohort. So why is this different? It's so funny how we used to joke on the show asking people if they were vaccinated long before the COVID vaccines or COVID. And now it's as relevant as ever. How did that come up? I don't know. How did we start doing that? Maybe we were talking about flu shots or something. Because, well, the anti-vaxxing, well, they've been kind of quiet lately in a different way. But the anti-vaxxers were on the rise, like even before COVID. You know, you heard it was mostly like parent stuff. No, no, no uh, vaccines for smallpox or anything like that. But then we've already seen how that really just messes everything up. Like, I think it is smallpox, right? That's that's reading the resurgence because there's too many people that don't want to be vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like that was a a disease that we had more or less eradicated here. So, yeah, Yeah, well, and, you know, some people started having, um, you know, chicken pox parties for their kids. You know, rather than get them inoculated against chicken pox, they would just get together and let them all expose each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, isn't it true that um, if you have chicken pox as a kid, you're more likely to get shingles as an adult 
So yeah, it, it's better for you to be vaccinated than not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to know, you know, just thinking about this from a human perspective, um, I think it's pretty clear how we all feel here on this show. But do we empathize at all with anyone who doesn't have a valid exemption, potentially facing a job loss if they refuse vaccination? I feel sympathy in that they've been fed misinformation, most likely. They've been poisoned with this misdirection, and they don't even realize it. So I feel bad in that regard, but otherwise, no. And it's very hard for me to drum up sympathy for people who do get sick when they knew they could have been vaccinated and they weren't, assuming you are able to actually get the vaccination. I Yeah, I mostly feel sorry for the people around them. Um, who, especially if, if they have been vaccinated and they've been begging the people in their life that do not want to get vaccinated, I, I feel for the, for family. So for children too. Yeah. Of like parents that just don't want to see reason. Right. Except like children of parents who are putting their Mm -hmm. economic livelihood at risk because they won't go get vaccinated so they can go to work. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 mind boggling to me. And I always anytime I see this kind of complaint, I'm like, don't y'all love the idea, the idea of like a free market and supply and demand. And if the workforce is demanding vaccination and you choose not to be, that's a choice you can make. That is your choice. Um, but there are consequences for any choice you make in this life, not just being vaccinated or not being vaccinated, but for anything you do, there are always consequences. In this case, the consequences, you may have to go hunting for a new job. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, speaking of this, Tyson Foods, big food plant here in the U.S., just announced this morning that 96 percent of their team members are now vaccinated. That's great. Yeah. This came after they announced on August 3rd that you have to be vaccinated or else you won't be able to work for us. At that time, less than half of their employees were vaccinated. So requiring vaccinations against COVID can work. I'll also add Tyson was also offering a $200 bonus and up to 20 hours of paid sick leave to vaccinated employees. So it's it's really good to see stuff like that, too. Um, Yeah, it's great to see that because, you know, case in point, I had about a day and a half where I was not feeling my best after getting my booster shot. And the idea that there are companies that are willing to give sick leave to cover people's recovery time after getting vaccines is an incredible incentive. Yeah, for sure. Along with cash bonuses. I I know it's must be frustrating to y'all as well, because we were all early adopters, if you will. And then all of these cash bonuses started coming out, trying to incentivize people to get dosed. And I was like, where's my money? Oh, my mom was so mad that she was not eligible for the California lottery. Didn't you guys hear, though, millennials offering cash bonuses for it's supposed to be vaccinated? Oh, for the boosters? Yeah. Uh, oh, perfect. Just each vaccination, you get $1,000. Isn't that cool? So, <laughs> well, OK, well, it depends, though, right? Because if you get the Moderna booster, that's only half a dose. If you get the Pfizer for your third shot, that is a full dose is my understanding. Okay, so. so I need to get Pfizer. And now my accountant <laughs> just texted me, Andrew, this is a stupid idea. Stop. OK, never mind. We're yeah, not going to do please that. Don't. <laughs> we don't have three thousand dollars to give out to ourselves. <laughs> Wait, and Jewel just texted. Wait, I'm not quitting anymore. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's an incentive alone. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, to me, I just think about the number of things that we all have to do that maybe maybe you wouldn't like naturally be super excited to do. Like I don't get in my car every day and go, oh boy, I can't wait to put on my seatbelt. But I just do it because that's the cost of being a member of a society that drives around 2000 pound metal death machines. Amen. Yep. Well, I think we have a little bit more of a fun story here, Ed. Yes, uh, let's switch over to pop culture where I wanted to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe this week. 
there is a new Marvel movie on the horizon set to hit theaters within the next couple of weeks. That is, of course, Marvel's Eternals. It's got a star-studded cast. And some people, some very lucky people have already seen this movie. Uh, They've been doing premieres around the world, including one out here in the United States. And uh, there was some big news that came out of the premiere out here in the US uh, specifically, but it doesn't really seem like it was supposed to come out at all. Uh, So what happened was there was a, a big reveal at the end of the movie during the end credit scene, which we all know comes, you know, after almost every Marvel movie. Uh, and it introduced a new uh, star who has uh, seemingly joined the MCU. And uh, we're not going to name this person in case you might have missed it. I assumed when I pitched the story that everybody had seen it because I saw a Twitter moment about it. Mm-hmm. And oh. that was... That was me being naive, clearly. Uh, so hopefully you haven't been spoiled yet. But uh, that is basically what I what I wanted to talk about this week. Not necessarily who has joined the MCU, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about spoilers and whether or not we thought that we had to worry about spoilers coming out of, you know, what is essentially a press event. Uh, because this news was actually delivered by a writer who works at Variety and it's definitely true that, you know, anybody working at a large uh, outlet like Variety should know better than to spoil something so big. Exactly. I guess they got so excited to get a lot of likes on a little scoop, pretty big scoop, actually, that they weren't thinking clearly. And then they tweeted it. I actually so I woke up whatever morning this was and I see some uh, entertainment people tweeting that somebody leaked it and being disappointed in this person. I didn't see the spoiler itself until I went to a site that I frequent and it was right there at the top. And I put the two pieces together. I was like, are you kidding me for a website to publish this right at the top two? You all know better. Now, later in the day, I looked again and that article was gone. It wasn't at the top anymore. So I think they, took down the article entirely. So I don't I don't get how people don't know in this day and age, especially if you work in entertainment journalism, that it's not appropriate to drop big spoilers after a press screening. Yeah, especially when the spoiler was something that was revealed in an after credit scene. I think it's pretty well established at this point that everybody understands post credit scenes are kind of sacred. They're almost half the reason you go to see these movies, right? Because you're anxious to see what the reveal is going to be after the credits. So you're really taking the excitement out of it for, you know, casual fans and hardcore fans alike. Yeah. And uh, people at Disney were pissed and pretty open about it too. A publicist who I've worked with, who who I've worked with before, his name is Marshall. He tweeted for the jerks who are openly tweeting eternal spoilers after being invited to the premiere tonight. Please know we see you. And he included a GIF of the Hulk smashing somebody into the floor. <laughs> this is somebody who works at Disney. And then. Uh, Asad Ayaz, who is the president of marketing at Disney, tweeted too to our colleagues and friends in the press and fan community who will be watching Eternals in the days ahead. Please help preserve the experience of this incredible film. So he was a little nicer about it, but he was sending an anvil sized hint. (laughs) Don't tweet spoilers. And I saw a lot of uh, critics who don't get invited to these tweet to Marshall after seeing this tweet being like, hey, can I have that guy's seat? Now that you're clearly not inviting him back to anything, can I start taking the spot? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, Zian in the Discord just brought up an interesting point. They said that's why there is an embargo. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Andrew, but I definitely have just speaking as somebody that works in the media. A lot of times studios will uh, put forth different embargo requirements to certain outlets and not to others. Yeah. And I noticed this specifically. This It's so frustrating. I noticed this specifically with television screeners. Like, I'll get a list of things that I can't talk about. Sometimes it says you can't even tell anybody that you've seen 
these screeners until the day before the show comes out or, right. you know, sometimes even day of. This happens also with movies as well. Yeah. But then you see people from these larger outlets that are allowed to, you know, say more stuff. And I'm not sure if it's just because they assume that, you know, somebody from Variety would know better than to say this. So they don't feel like they need to say, like, all of this is off limits or if this guy just went rogue and decided to do it anyway. But I think, like I said, he got very excited to gain more followers on social media because we know that this person who they were tweeting about has a very large online following. So that was an easy way to to get some likes and whatnot. Um, I've seen what you're talking about too, Pam, in terms of like the warnings, don't spoil this. Um, and of course, the embargo lift times. But also sometimes in the emails, they'll just say, please don't share any details from the movie. Mm hmm. Right. To preserve the experience for moviegoers, moviegoers around the world, please don't. And that's usually enough for people. So this person just made a, a big mistake. And I'm also pissed at this website that posted it right at the top. Like, oh, God, I don't know how people can be so dumb sometimes. Yeah, I know. And this this one was pretty bad. I thought when I saw it, I thought that it was a cast, like an official casting announcement. I had no idea that it was information that had come out of a screener. I cracked up at you, Pam, just dropping it casually in the I, Slack. Yeah, I, literally, <laughs> I thought everybody had seen it at that point. Laura, did you I'm, see the I'm spoiler now because of Pam? <laughs> I mean, so that's why I saw it. But to be honest with you, I live with Mark, the biggest MCU fan on the planet. I was going to hear about it anyway, so I'm not too But concerned. doesn't he try to avoid spoilers? Because he's a big fan. Yeah, I mean, his concerns about spoilers, I think, are more confined to story arc spoilers, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Big casting reveals. I mean, yeah, that that is a thing that I don't think he goes out of his way to find out. But there have been certain things in the past that have just made big news that he's known about. And by proxy of that, I know about them, too. Um, Eternal still looks like a great movie. I'm really excited to see it. Um, so this isn't going to change my decision to go see the film or anything like that. It is disappointing, though, that outlets um, that should know better did this. I mean, at least with individuals on Twitter, you know, you can count for spoilers in that space. But those are just people, right? These are organizations that know what the deal is, and they just don't have any excuse to be doing this. So uh, in general, do spoilers bother us? Um, do we try to avoid them? Do we get really upset when it's, you know, when we do get spoiled? Yes. I'm trying to think of where the line I draw is. Um, for big movies, definitely. I don't want any spoilers. It happens. Sometimes you run into this stuff on the internet, though. But I think the internet needs to collectively come to an agreement about, like, what that lead time is before you can start discussing spoilers it's probably going to depend on whether it's a movie or a television show or a book um but for movies i think it's got to be at least a couple weeks for television shows you know new episodes yeah. it's got to be at least a week i think you got to give people time like this assumption that everybody's watching it at the same time as you is so silly mm -hmm. yeah i i have that problem too with with netflix Anything on Netflix, if I assuming I don't get a screener for it, or even if I don't get around to watching a screener for it, I always feel like I have to to zip through watching or else I'll get spoiled on the ending, which is too bad. There's very little that I don't get spoiled on these days, I feel like. So <laughs> whenever I, I just haven't seen it, I would prefer not to because it just makes it more fun. You know, I try to avoid spoilers where I can. Um my care for that kind of thing really depends on how much I care about the franchise. So obviously for Marvel, I care. Um, not so much about casting announcements, but more about like if there are return casting announcements um, or if there are um, major stories that are being leaked, that kind of thing I care about. Um, I will say that if there's something that I have missed the boat on, for example, um, we've talked a lot about Breaking Bad on the show and how much we love Breaking Bad. Um, I joined the Breaking Bad team very late in the game. I mean, the final season was already airing. Thankfully, I didn't get spoiled. 
But had I gotten spoiled, I wouldn't have been mad about it because I was so late to the game anyway. So I do feel like there is a statute of limitations on this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, For big Hollywood releases, I think two weeks is appropriate. What do you think, you two, since you're in the entertainment sphere? I I think that's fair as well. I think that if if something is really going to bother you, then you need to learn how to use, um, you know, some kind of plug in and you want to stay on Twitter, right? This is assuming that you're so addicted to social media that you can't stop using um, Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, then you, you, you probably need to, you know, use some kind of plug in that will block certain words and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like two weeks is perfectly fine or even like a couple of years. Like I, um, I just watched Teen Wolf for the first time, just from start to finish. And I, there was some stuff that I already knew was coming, but like that show has been done for four years. So I'm not mad about knowing, but then there's other stuff that I was like, damn, like I'm really surprised I never got spoiled on that because Mm. just like being embedded in and keeping up with pop culture, I would have just assumed that I would have. So I guess maybe because you weren't paying too close attention to the show at the time you may have yeah, glossed over yeah. some tweets yeah i probably just it just like wasn't information that i needed to to retain for sure but so like when a when something really big happens in a movie though i think it should be months before if it's in a franchise where something really big happens it's got to be months before you start spoiling something really big happened in the latest james bond movie i'm not talking about that at all for months because it's a yeah. really big thing. So, yeah. you know, it's going to depend. You could you could like tease it, like say, well, I think it's different for us because usually we have a another place where we could we can discuss that. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with um news outlets being like so and so discusses like that scene, you know? Yeah. Cuz then it's like if you click on an article that's being a little you know, teasy, then that's your problem. If you right. like you know keep what, reading you know through what the you're spoilers. Getting into. You exactly. know what you're entering. Yeah. Exactly. But but I think, yeah. Um, I mean, as long as you're not like blatantly saying, you know, what the spoiler is and you're directing people to somewhere else where they can like read your thoughts or anything like that. Yeah. After for something major, I think that that's perfectly okay. Just a quick note on Eternals. I'm not personally very excited for it, A, because I just think there's so much Marvel stuff happening these days, and I'm not like a hardcore Marvel fan, so I'm just like, I've got a Marvel hangover. And B, the press that did go to these screenings that they've been doing, um, a lot of people are saying it's different. And I always feel like when critics start saying it's different, it's not good. That's their nice way of saying it's it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) So do with that what you want, but I... uh, uh, I'll skip Eternals. Yeah, I think that, you know, if if I had not gotten into the MCU, I probably wouldn't care about Eternals. That's very, um, it, it's almost like more of a fantasy vibe, um, which in the world of superheroes isn't typically my jam. But I feel like the MCU has done such a good job across a variety of stories over the last 10 years that I'm definitely willing to give it a shot. I just want to bring up one more thing in the Discord. Katie's pointing pointing out that she always gets spoiled by the social channels of shows, the official mm-hmm. social media channels. Yeah, that's bad. It is. Pam, yeah. I've come to learn that Jeopardy posts the winner of that day's episode at 8 p.m. Pacific. So if I haven't seen Jeopardy by that point, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not looking at Instagram until I've seen that. Episode. Yeah, I you know what? I have no idea why competition shows do this because they do this on like not just Jeopardy, but they do this for for The Voice, for American Idol, for The Bachelor, all of this stuff that people are invested in. The Masked Singer is another one. I get that you're trying to drum up excitement, but unless your show is being simulcast, then you know, you really shouldn't do that because it really sucks for people that are on the West Coast or on a delay, you know? Yeah. I guess they're capitalizing on people might be more inclined to hit like on a post announcing the winner if they just watched it. Whereas if they post it like three days later, people mm-hmm. might be over it by then. 100%. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to like technically or I don't know how to fix the problem. I just think that, you know... I don't know. Maybe we all just need to learn how to mute and unfollow the, uh, Jeopardy Twitter account. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
I remember, so I fell off of The Walking Dead a long time ago. I was into it for the first two to three seasons. Um, but then it was, it, it kind of became this formulaic, like, okay, we have to get to a place because of zombies. And then we get to the place and we find this like semi um, tyrannical government structure within these people. And we learn that the people are actually more dangerous than the zombies. And then we overcome the people, but then here come the zombies. So we have to go to another place because of the zombies. It just kind of felt like that cyclical story and I got sick of it. But I remember seeing a few years ago, The Walking Dead spoiled a major character death on their Facebook page right after the episode aired. And by spoiled, I mean they literally show a picture of one character carrying the other dead character's body. And I was I like, I why that. would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they set the scheduled post to the wrong date. <laughs> like, <laughs> but even then, you got to be really, really careful. So that's interesting. We could talk more about that sometime because I feel like there have been some major blusters by official social yeah. media accounts. It's like, oh. I have a, I have a good one, too. So maybe this is like a conversation we should put a pin in and then we can talk okay. about like make a note of it. That now we I'm intrigued. I got to I got to know. But we should we should move on for the sake mm-hmm. of time. So I want to talk about the rise in airline passengers losing their shit on airplanes. Uh, one reason I've been wanting to talk about this for months, but um, just haven't found the time to. And I just flew over the weekend. So I thought now would be a good time to talk about it. But first, this week's sponsor is Felix Grey, the blue light glasses that started it all. Five years ago, Felix Grey set out to create eyewear that would improve daily screen time. And since then, Felix Grey has been on a mission to create a better relationship with technology. Felix Grey lenses filter 15 times more of the blue light that's bothering you. Whether you're heading back to the office, back to school, or back to whatever, you can count on Felix Grey. Visit felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L to check out what they have to offer. This is a great holiday gift idea, too, one that will actually improve your own life or maybe someone else's. These truly help with eye strain, and now I can't imagine my life without them. Prior to wearing these, not only would my eyes hurt the more that I looked at screens, but I'd start to get headaches, and studies have actually shown that blue light can also affect the quality of your sleep. Best of all, these glasses look great. I love wearing these while podcasting now. I am seriously obsessed. When I get on meetings, I'm wearing them too. I wear them all day, every day. They're also just very comfortable to wear. Non-prescription and prescription glasses are available. Check them out now. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash M-I-L-L. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y Glasses.com slash M-I-L-L. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. FelixGrayGlasses.com slash M-I-L-L. These are excellent blue light filtering glasses that you got to try. So please do. And we will have a link in the show notes. So I wanted to talk about the rise in airline passengers who have been unruly on planes. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because over the last year or so, there's actually been a steady increase in airline passengers who are misbehaving. I assume you two have seen these reports in the news. There have been some crazy videos as well. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I have seen this. I've seen so many videos on TikTok in particular, um, including a woman who brought like a megaphone (laughs) on her airplane to denounce the vaccine. Did anyone else see that? No, but I saw James at our Discord just mention it, too. I don't know if I want to see that. I did that. see. I saw this on TikTok, oh, so I know what you're talking God, about. Why? So there has been this increase. And the FAA had actually not kept a record of the number of unruly passengers on their planes until earlier this year when it started noticing a surge in complaints. Now, that said, the FAA has always kept track of the numbers of investigations they've initiated after receiving reports. In 2019, they did 143 investigations. In 2020, they did 183. In 2021, they've done 906 investigations. And the year isn't even over. So they've been doing many more investigations. But back to the unruly passenger reports. As of October 21st, and you actually... You actually can see the latest tallies on their site. There have been 4,837 unruly passenger complaints this year. 3,500 of those have been related to mask wearing, which is required on all commercial flights in the U.S. 
the FAA and flight attendant unions also told NPR that they've been able to simply eyeball a surge in inappropriate behavior. So the FAA site has this nice chart which shows week-to-week unruly passenger numbers. And what we see is that the number of unruly passengers started off high towards the beginning of the year, but there's been a slow and steady decrease after the FAA announced increased fines on February 26th. And the numbers are decreasing even as the number of weekly flights have been increasing over the course of this year. This chart is kind of funny because on the chart, the FAA notes a couple of different broad actions they've taken over the past year to try and tamp down all these unruly passengers. So you can see if those actions they've taken uh, do anything to decrease the number of unruly passengers. One of their actions over the summer, and this is on their chart, was when they launched a public education campaign and started posting memes. And I was like, okay, they're going to try and credit the memes for a decrease in unruly passengers. And you can look at the memes on their site, and they are so freaking tacky and stupid. If you scroll to the bottom of this page, maybe we can post them on social media. Like, there's this one quote-unquote meme. It has a grandma in the cockpit. (laughs) she's wagging her finger and it says, don't embarrass me. I raised you better than to act that way. And then another one, the pilot's looking over her shoulder and says, don't make me turn this plane around. And then the the last one is especially dumb. You could have spent 35,000 on a brand new truck, but instead you are paying a fine because you punched a flight attendant. And it's a green truck. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Tacky, tacky, tacky. And they're trying to pretend like these memes are doing anything to stop unruly passengers. Stop. Probably not. I will say these memes do remind me of some of the low quality memes that I see from people in my own social feed who tend to be anti-vaxxers, (laughs) anti-regulation. So I wonder if there was an artistic choice here to be like, hey, these people post crappy looking memes. Let's make some crappy memes. And <laughs> all these unruly there. passengers want big green trucks. So what if we said you won't be able to get that big green truck if you're a dick on planes? So in addition to this data, a survey conducted by a flight attendant union found that 85% of flight attendants have dealt with unruly passengers this year. And one in five experienced physical incidents. That is disturbing. At least one union is calling for the FAA's zero tolerance policy to be made permanent, and this policy would mean that the FAA will not give warnings to unruly passengers. It will just pursue legal action against any passenger who assaults, threatens, intimidates, or interferes with airline crew members. So, like I said, there's an increase. What is going on, you two? Why this year suddenly has there been this increase? And before you answer, let me just add that this union actually doesn't think it's just because of masks. They blame alcohol. They blame routine safety reminders. They blame flight delays and cancellations. What do you think changed in the past year, though? Is it just the masks? I mean, have we all just forgotten how to behave in public? Maybe that too. Yeah. It's really sad that that like that's the case. But I, I don't know. I mean, I hate to like make mental health an excuse because it shouldn't give you like it doesn't really give you the right to be an asshole, you know. But at the same time, you know, we have seen a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, reports coming out about how uh, mental health issues in relation to COVID and lockdown and stuff like that have been on the rise over the course of the last year or so. And I almost kind of wonder if maybe that's inadvertently making people more irritable. But it that's not really an excuse for, you know, a physical altercation against somebody who's just doing their job. Yeah, I think also it, it's probably due to the landscape of everything being so polarized now, people are conditioned. And this kind of goes back to our social media conversation from a couple weeks ago. People are conditioned to think that they must have like a firm, hot take response on everything. So if somebody tells them to do something they don't want to do, instead of just rolling your eyes and getting on with it like a normal human being, they decide this is a violation of my rights. 
you know? Um, So I think that's a big part of it. I think people largely feeling locked down and cooped up for a year and turning to the internet for their stimulation has not been the greatest for how we all interact with each other in a society. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's because of masks. Um, but I think that the, the cause of masks, which is the overarching pandemic theme that we've all been living with, I think has really brought out the worst in people. I would partly blame masks because they have unfortunately become such a polarizing topic and people hate being told what to do. So these people who are anti-mask, they go on a plane and suddenly they're being told what to do. They've been able, let's say in a state like Georgia, Laura, they've been able to walk into Walmart or other stores. They haven't been told to wear a mask. And suddenly for the first time over the course of this pandemic, they're being told you got to wear it. And then uh, the union mentioned alcohol. You're actually seeing a lot of airlines right now not serve alcohol on planes to try and tamp down on the inappropriate behavior. Though the the problem is still there because you can still get a drink in the airport. You can get bombed in the airport, you know? Yeah. And we also know that, um, you know, rates of drinking have increased over the course of the pandemic. So that doesn't help either. It's just kind of created this powder keg situation where people are cooped up, they're frustrated, they're mad, they're feeling polarized about everything, they're drinking more. And now that life is returning to some level of semi-normalcy, we're exposing ourselves to each other after we're coming out of this really frustrating cocoon, I would describe it as. Um And it's just not going very well. People have forgotten how to person, to Pam's point. How to person, yeah. There's been an idea maybe if you uh, are unruly on a plane, I guess it'll depend on what you do, but maybe we should instate permanent bans on flying. Honestly, I'm for that. Flying is a privilege. It is not a right. So, you know, these airlines have no reason. These are private companies. I want to thank Shane, who's actually listening live right now. I follow him on Instagram, and I saw on his story yesterday, he screenshotted a tweet. This is from somebody named Janice Hugh, and this was just a few days ago. Her tweet reads, United Airlines pilot today, quote, we will ask you one time to put your mask back on. If you do it a second time, you will be handed a card saying you're banned from flying United in the future permanently. Love it. I love that. I don't know if that's like a airline-wide policy. Maybe it's down to the pilot and crew to kind of come to an agreement on it. But wow, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I actually flew back in August, and it was my first time flying in almost two, two and a half years. I flew Delta, and they made a very kind announcement at the start of the flight. They were like, if we see you without your mask... Uh, we will give you a kind warning once. And after that, um, there will be consequences, basically. Um, so I was really proud of that. And I was proud of the flight attendants because I saw them on a few different occasions. And and I think these were genuine mistakes. You know, you're allowed to take your mask off to eat and drink um, the refreshments that they bring around. And I genuinely think in most cases, people probably just forgot to put their mask back on. But they were very direct. They would lean over and be like, sir, sir, mask on. Like they did not pull any punches and it made me feel a little bit safer and made me feel like, you know, I wasn't in a place where masking wasn't being taken seriously. I think we've all been in that situation where we walk into a place that says it requires masks, but then like half the people in there aren't wearing them and the other half are dick nosing. Um, For any new listeners, that's when you wear a mask only over your mouth and have it below your nose. Um, it's all it's really frustrating when you're trying to follow the rules and keep other people safe and see that, um, you know, other people aren't trying to keep you safe and see that the establishment that claims to have a mask rule isn't really enforcing it. So I've been proud of what the airlines have been doing here. Laura, you said you flew for the first time in a while back in August. I just flew for the first time since uh, before COVID. 
uh, just over the weekend, and I don't have any crazy s- stories to share. But everybody was wearing their mask on the flight. Like you said, people took them off to eat and drink briefly. No alcohol was served on Southwest. People were breaking the rules more in the airport. Yeah. I was frustrated by that. Like I saw somebody sitting right next to one of these signs that said you must wear a mask and they weren't wearing a mask and stuff like that really pisses me off. But overall, a good experience. And, you know, I mentioned the number earlier. There have been close to 5000 unruly passenger complaints this year. So while that's a crazy increase and they've been doing more investigations, the FAA has, you also have to remember there's tens of thousands of flights every day. And most of them are going off without a hitch. Of course, the media loves to harp on the ones where there's some crazy guy on Frontier yelling, my dad's rich. I don't need to wear a mask. And then he gets taped up to the seat and it's a whole crazy video. (laughs) It happens, but it's not common. So here's what I don't get about this. And it's it's not even specifically a COVID thing, um, because I know we've all been on a flight with an unruly passenger at some point in our lifetimes. I don't understand why you would get into a pressurized tube that flies like two miles above the Earth's surface and want to make any waves at all. To me, flying makes me a little nervous, especially takeoffs. I'm like, I want to get in my seat. I want to close my eyes. I want to cross my arms. I don't want to touch anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. Leave me alone. I just want this to be over as quickly as possible. And one of the best ways to get through a flight as quickly as possible is to fucking comply with the rules. (laughs) Right. Yep. So what is coming up in After Dark today on our Patreon? So we received a really great confessional from somebody who requests that we put it behind the paywall. Um, This is the After Dark Disrespectful Roommates Edition. So we're going to read through this particular confessional, um, which was sent in anonymously by one of our listeners. And we're going to talk about our own experiences with disrespectful roommates and dig a little deeper and see, have we ever been the disrespectful roommate? (laughs) Yes, that sounds good. And then we're also going to take some questions from some of our patrons. We asked people to submit questions and we got some good ones. Uh, we're going to do this over the course of the next two weeks. Uh, Justin wanted me to talk some shit on uh, Hypable and uh, any associated MuggleNet drama. Yes, there is a story there. So we're going to talk about that. It's a pretty good one, I think. And also, I saw this story today about uh, something BuzzFeed did that we actually at Hypable did a few months ago, and I found it extremely relatable. So I'll talk about that as well. I'm actually specifically going to be talking about lawsuits, getting sued. It was a horrible experience, <laughs> but I've actually been really looking forward to uh, speaking about this on Millennials After Dark. So that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. When you pledge at the OTP level or higher, you will get access to After Dark. This is a weekly bonus installment of Millennial, and you also get access to our live streams, our planning docs, ad-free Millennial, and so much more. So, patreon.com slash millennial. All right, it's time for some recommendations. Laura, what's yours? Um, I'm a little bit late to the party on this one because Mark and I agreed that we weren't going to start playing this until we were settled back in our place. But we have recently started playing Resident Evil 8 and we're thoroughly enjoying it, specifically Lady D. Um, Those of y'all who have played, you know what I'm talking about. Big sexy vampire lady, just take me away. Um, She's the most captivating character I've seen in a video game in a while. Um, But it's also great, um, perfect for spook season if you're still looking for scary recommendations as we ramp up to Halloween. I also want to make a video game recommendation. So those of you who have a Nintendo Switch, they recently added a big feature to the Nintendo Switch online membership. You can now play a small selection of Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis games. And you do have to pay a little more for Nintendo Switch Online. But if you do a family plan, it's $80. That includes everybody for the year. So if you split that between a few people, that can get pretty cheap. Um, Like I said, they only have a couple of games right now, but they are going to be adding more games, including Banjo-Kazooie, which I'm very excited for. Right now, they have Ocarina of Time. They have Yoshi's Story. They have Super Mario 64. They have Mario Kart and a couple of others. So... 
Check it out if you loved Nintendo 64. And they are selling wireless Nintendo 64 and Sega controllers that'll hook up to your Switch. And I can't wait to get my N64 controller. It'll feel like old times. I have a book recommendation. I wanted to recommend Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It's been out for a couple of years now, but I finally got around to reading it and I really loved it a lot. It takes place in the 70s and it talks about the rise of uh, this titular band and then also kind of investigates the mysterious reason why the band ended up breaking up when they did. And it's also, I believe, going to be made into a series over at Amazon. So, oh, Siri thinks I said Siri. (laughs) (laughs) That happens to me once a show. Mm -hmm. So I have that shit off. I I find it useless. I thought it was off, but I guess not. Anyway, if you're looking to get into something before you see uh, the adaptation get like a crazy amount of hype, because a lot of people are really looking forward to this, then I recommend checking this book out if you're a fan of books about music or even like movies like Almost Famous, then this is going to be right up your street. If you have any feedback about today's episode, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And do follow us on social media. (laughs) Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye. See ya.